0: And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So, thank you for tuning in, and enjoy. Okay. Um, who can tell me what we've been studying for a whole week now? A whole week. Isn't that just one day? Wait, one week is one day. No. Okay, uh, good point, Charlie, good point, good point, fair enough, okay, yep, okay, that's right, we started a series last week, one day, Charlie, on the Ten Commandments, okay, on the Ten Commandments, and so we're calling it the Rule of Life, because it is God's guidebook, His rule book for how to live. Uh, do you remember uh, Colin preached last week? Do you remember what his little sibling called it? Anybody? Demandments. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, which which is really cute, right? But also very true. In that it's what God demands of everyone. There are no exceptions. There are no exclusions. He demands this set of laws, these set of rules for everyone. And so it reveals who God is. It reveals His holiness and His character, His righteousness, His standard, how perfect He is in that this is what He demands or He requires. But the Ten Commandments also reveal something about us. It's kind of like a baby crying. When a baby's crying, what are they communicating? They need something. The only mom in the whole room That's knew up. the answer. Way to go. Yeah. Okay. yeah, they need something. And just like a baby's screaming, until you can figure out what that need is and meet it, it is going to continue to scream. Just be prepared when you're a parent someday. It's a challenging thing to think, they need something, but I can't figure out what it is. And until that need is met, it's, it's, everything's off, right? It's, it's awful. But but that's what the law does for us. It, It shows us that we have a great need. And until this need is solved, in a sense, we are crying. Because that need must be fulfilled or we will await terrible punishment. Because a righteous God has said to us in his commandments what he requires. And when we read that list, I don't know about you, it's not long before I realize, uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And to take it further, Jesus, even in the New Testament, makes the list wider. (laughs) Because he says, if you think about these things, it's as if you committed these sins. So, these are God's rules of how to function with him, and how to live with. And they can be split up. Four, for how you function and associate with God. And six, the other six, how you function or associate with man. And so tonight we're going to talk about number one. Commandment number one. Anybody know what it is? Yeah, you have no other gods before me. We'll read it here in a second. Let's get there. Exodus chapter 20. Now this is a message. Where I'm just going to warn you right out front. This verse has eight words. I am not going to stay in this verse, this whole sermon. Okay? So if you think you can open up to Exodus 20 and just sit there, I mean, you could choose to do that. That's fine. But we're going to be kind of all over the place tonight. So I hope you brought your turning pages fingers, and you're ready to roll through some text. Because we need to see, what does this mean? So Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 again. And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And here's our main verse for tonight. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And so, what I want to see tonight is, We're going to talk more about the who than the how. The Ten Commandments, you could break them down. Nine of them are about how. How you honor God. How you worship Him. How you follow Him with His law. But this first one specifically focuses on the who. Who we are worshiping. And what does that mean for our life? So I've broken down my message tonight in three letters. We're going to talk about W, and an H, and an O, who. Okay? Hopefully that will help you remember what that means. But before we do, let's pray. And I want to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that is a prayer. Because I think David's prayer here in 1 Chronicles is way better than I could come up with. Okay? So let's pray. We're going to pray this... Verse together, and then we'll jump into our text and, and message tonight. It says this, therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule, you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Amen. So let's get to it. Our first point is this. It starts with a W. Worship the one true God. Worship the one true God. Psalm 86.10 says this, For you are great and do wondrous things, You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. First thing we see in our verse in our text tonight is that we must worship the one true God. And we do this in three ways. Here's the first one. By remembering. By remembering. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. The verse right before our verse tonight. God says to his people, I am the Lord your God. And then this very unique statement after it. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt? Does anybody else think that strange to you? Like they, the nation of Israel had just come through some of the most amazing things any human eye has ever seen think about it all of the 10 plagues can somebody name one okay frogs everywhere so much so that you could not step without squishing one under your feet is that just like an everyday thing eh. so there's frogs everywhere apparently big deal no that would blow your mind what's another one Darkness, okay? You kind of feel like that when the time changes. But no, if you ever been to like a place in Alaska where it just is never light, I have it and I would die. If I don't have the sun, I'm done, right? On a cloudy day, I can barely get out of bed, right? To be totally dark all the time would be very, very hard. What's another one? Water to blood. Water to blood. Pretty nasty. Like, they didn't have faucets, but let's just, let's imagine, right? They got one of those uh, reverse osmosis systems, right? Cleans and filters, beautiful water. They hit that little thing and like, "Ah!" Like, it is, it is blood red. Like, that is the noise you would make if blood came out of your faucet. Don't tell me it wouldn't be. I don't care how manly you are. Neil is making that noise, Right? And, and that's not to say of all the other things that they saw, like the Red Sea parting and them walking across not a pond, not a lake, a sea on dry ground. But, but then the Lord has to say, I am the Lord your God. And just in case you forgot who I am, who brought you out of Egypt. But that's what we do, we forget. God had just done all of these amazing things for them and they had, maybe a lot of them, already forgotten it. And so the f- first thing we need to learn is we need to remember who God is. Remember who he is. Psalm 77, 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. We're forgetful people. I work at home, I have to have coffee to function. I have coffee in the morning, and you can ask my kids this, I am not making this up almost every day. I go downstairs, I warm up my coffee because I forgot to drink it. I put it in the microwave, I do something, I say hi to my kids, whatever, then I go back upstairs and I sit down and I work and I think, where's my coffee? (laughs) And then pretty soon, one of my kids, dad, you forgot your coffee. Now, this wouldn't be that sad if it didn't only happen like once. (laughs) But it happens almost every day. Because I forget things. And I'm old and I get that right, but whatever. Okay, I get it. But it's important for us to realize that we do this in our spiritual lives as well. And so worshiping God requires us to remember the deeds of the Lord. And you do that by being in His Word. Which leads me to my second point under this. We worship one true God by remembering, and secondly, by studying, and I'll add this, soaking in his word. By studying and soaking in his word. We don't have time, but Psalm 19 is this amazing passage of what God's word does in our hearts. Daniel brought it up last week in our group, in our small group. When we looked it over, I would encourage you to look at that. Psalm 19, it shows you how you can study God's word and what it can be for your heart. But I also say the word soaking because I don't want you just to think that it's some kind of just head thing. That I'm going to the Bible so that I can pass the test when my small group leader asks me if I did my Bible time, Or I can answer this question about God so that my friends will think I know and follow him. It is not just an intellectual thing; it has to be a heart thing. It has to be something you soak in. How many of you like steak? Okay, most people. And if you don't, please don't be offended. Okay, I'm not out to kill everything in the world. Okay, I just, I just enjoy, well, steak. You can spend a lot of money on steak, and it still can be terrible. And I'm not here to, like, start a cooking show tonight, okay? I know nothing about cooking. But I do know I've ruined many a steak that I paid too much for and thought, wow, this is terrible. (laughs) And often I've found that the reason the steak is terrible is not necessarily even my cooking skills, although that's probably part of it. It's not even the type of meat that I bought. It often is the preparation. And for a steak to be good, what you really need to do is you, you, call, you do what you call marinate. And it soaks for hours in your special sauce, whatever that is. And that makes all the difference in the world because that juice, that sauce, just infiltrates everything that that meat has. So when I say soaking in God's word, this is what I mean. We aren't here to learn head knowledge, although that is good. We want wisdom. But we want so much more, our heart to be soaked in God's greatness and goodness and what he can be in our lives. That's what we need. And let me just add this real quickly. On the opposite end, are there things you're soaking in that are just plain awful for you? I think of it this way, like... You're going to get a bath because everybody should have a bath or a shower, right? Because you should be clean. I don't want you smelling like a pack of onions, okay? And so you're, you're preparing your bath, and then you go to the garage, and you get this huge red jug, and you run it back into the bathtub, and you just you fill it up. And it takes several trips. Your dad looks at you like you're nuts. And then you get in it, and you're like, whoa, this does not feel right this is burning my skin, it's, it's burning my, my, my nose, and my eyes, and wow, I feel like I could catch fire even, it's so bad, and you get out, and you're like, I can't figure out why my skin burns so badly, and then your dad comes up, and he's like, what are you doing with the gas can, and you're like, oh, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd soak in it. <laughs> Now, now, none of you would, I hope, ever think to do this because you know that sitting in something like that is, is kind of bad for you, right? So don't try it, eighth grade guys, don't try it, since, since one of them lives in my house. Don't try it. It's a silly story, but it, it makes the point that sometimes I think we expose ourselves to things that we know are going to harm us, yet we sit in it. And we wonder why we're burning. So stop soaking in the things of the world. Start soaking in God's Word. We worship one true God by remembering, by studying, and soaking, and thirdly, by living. Romans 12, 1 through 2, just talks about how we live as a sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual wor- worship. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you can follow what God wants you to. Worship to the one true God is by living your life as a sacrifice to Him. Asking yourself, when I do this, am I bringing glory to God? So that's the W. Worship the one true God. Here's the H. It's pretty obvious in the verse. Have nothing else. Have nothing else. You see, it says it right there. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods. Now this sounds kind of easy on the surface. You're like, of course, of course. I only have one God. Of course. But let's talk about that for a second. First, you have nothing else. But do you truly believe that God and God alone is who you worship? Or do you want to like create some kind of hybrid for yourself? You know what I mean by hybrid? Like not the car that drives and has a battery and all that stuff. But it's a combination, right? Like we live in a hybrid society right now. Oh, I think I'll take some of that Jesus. Yep, yep. But I like this meditation stuff. So make me a little bit of Hindu, and uh, you know this part over here about you know doing all of this good works. I think that will help me. So I'll add that, and we kind of create our own little God. But that's exactly what that is. It's an idol, and I'm I'm not going to get into that tonight because that I think is coming next week. But do you really? Have nothing else? Or are you making yourself your own version of what you think your God should be? That's not worshiping him. That's not honoring to him. Also, we have other things besides that. We sometimes have people in our lives. God says, don't have anything else but me. Yet sometimes we lean on people way more than we should. Maybe you... You think, if I just was friends with that person, all my troubles would be better. Maybe even as you get older and you start to think about, like, relationships with the other gender, you think, man, if I just was in a relationship with him or her, everything would be so much better. I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works. Jesus, hey Charlie, I'm not joking around, okay? I'm not joking around. Okay? Thanks. So, here's the thing, guys, don't run to people for what you think they can bring you. Really, it's even our family. Like, Jesus made some strong statements about our family. Do you know he said once that you need to hate your mother and father and follow me? How did Jesus really call us to hate our family? Like, don't go home tonight and say, hey, Mom and Dad, uh, the guy at church says I got to hate you, so see you. But what was Jesus' point that he was making? Don't rely on anything but me. I am your true source of everything you need. So don't look to people to be your functional Savior. Another thing that we need to watch for is stuff. Things. God says, don't have anything else. And that includes things. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I just ask you this? What are you treasuring? God says, there should be no one else besides me. But I know in my own heart, many times, I put stuff up next to God. And it might not even be a bad thing. And it's something he's given me but I often find my heart falling in love with the gift instead of the giver of the gift. And we need to look to God and Him alone for His good gifts. He is the giver of all good things. And then lastly, have nothing else, even in your feelings. In your feelings. This one hits home to me. I, I think you could call me a roller coaster type of person. Like, I wish I was a steady Eddie. But I'm not Eddie. And I'm even less steady. Like, I, I'm, I'm a fun person to be around when things are going well. And I'm feeling good about life. And I'm following after God. And it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's good. But, but when, it, when I'm not there, when my heart is struggling... Like, don't come over. Because I, I just, I get upset. I get down. Things are hard. And it's really easy for me to follow my emotions and just live in that moment and just think, am I ever going to have victory? Are things ever going to go the way I want them to? And I can let that pull me down. But what I realize is that, that's a God to me. My feelings at times are a God to me. I let Everything get influenced by how I feel at times. And if I had to guess, that would be true of a lot of people in this room. Junior high is not an easy time of life. There is a lot of feelings that you will feel. And I'm here to tell you that you, you know, I'm here to tell you that you can't just let your feelings run you. The New Testament talks about how people lived for their belly. Their God is their belly. And it was talking about food and different things like that. But I really think it related a lot to how they let their feelings run what they wanted. Yeah, if I feel like it, I'm going to do it. But that is so opposite of what God has called us to. So we want to worship the one true God. We want to have nothing else. And here's the last point. Only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. You see, it's only in Jesus that we can do any of this stuff we've talked about. Turn with me real quickly to Romans. Romans 5. I think I used this verse the last time I preached, so... God's trying to teach me something, I think. Romans 5, starting in verse 6. And remember what the law does the law reveals to us our great need, it shows us we're in trouble. We're in trouble in almost every one of these commandments. And so in this state that we are in, we are needy and in need of God to do something. And that's what Romans 5 talks about. Verse 6, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him. Listen to this, from what? The wrath of God that lays on us because of our sin, because of the law. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. At the right time, Christ gave us a way to God. We stand before the law judged. There is nothing we can do to satisfy it on our own. Yet that's exactly where God wants us. He wants us in front of Him and in front of His law, realizing our great need so that we run to Jesus. You see, if you look at the law, and Daniel said this last week in in our group again, and it just stuck out to me if you look at the law as burdensome, if you look at the law as heavy, that's good. As long as you realize you need Jesus. The law is supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be hard. Because it shows us our great need. And in that need, God provided a way for us to rid ourselves of the sin. And the burden. And the weight. And the shame. And the guilt. Run to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Says this, come to me. This is Jesus. All you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, is Jesus cooking eggs? What's the yoke? i have always wondered. like, what? Did Jesus like to do breakfast? The yoke? Over easy, please. No, that's not it, right? And I'm not joking about a really serious text. I just want you to understand what yoke means, right? Like, we could read that verse and be like, oh, that was great. What does yoke mean? I got no idea. <laughs> that's not helping you. Does anybody know what a yoke is, besides the egg one? Yeah? Is it like a piece of metal that ties to cattle together? yeah. Piece of metal that holds cattle together. And what does it then make one of the cattle do? Follow Follow the other. Work together. And so this still isn't helping. You're telling me a big piece of metal, it's not eggs, but it's a big piece of metal, and Jesus says this is light. What? Still helpful. Okay, let me see if I can help you do more. Jesus is saying, when you Submit yourself to me. When you come to me and take on what I have, my yoke is light because I've already done the work. I've already done everything required of the law. There is nothing left for you to do but for you just to walk with me side by side because I've done what, Jesus, what God has required. I live the law perfectly. Now take on my righteousness, put that on your neck, and come to God. That's what it means. John, first John 5, 3 through 5 says this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And this commandment is not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, that he has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So I hope you hear tonight that we need to worship the one true God. And then we need to have nothing else and you can only do these things through Jesus. Student, I hope and pray that you are trusting in him. He takes the guilt away. He takes the sin away. His burden is light. And his commandments are not burdensome. But they are a way to live a life that is pleasing to God. And most joyful for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you revealed yourself to us. Lord, you did not have to do that. But you made yourself known. And then even when you were known, God, we could not come close to you Like Israel, if we would touch the mountain, we would die because of your holiness. Yet, once again, you did not leave us where we are. But you provided your son who does everything that you require and then died for us. God, would you help these students to soak in who you are? Would they realize their great need for you? Would they put their trust in your son? And then would his yoke be so light and his commandments not burdensome because of his great love? God, thank you for your amazing gift of your son. Would we trust him and honor you in Jesus' name? Amen.